The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It is a, it's a great day to be alive, to be a Christian, and love Jesus Christ with all your heart. Uh, it's a great day. Um, to God be the glory. Uh, you can open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I've been in Philippians on uh, Wednesday night. Really just going to look at this one verse and, uh, and then jump off of that. And uh, I've been in a series, I guess you can call it a series, for a while, for weeks now, since the beginning of the year, talking about a firm foundation. And uh, before I get to that, just get to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Get, get that wire in the back. There you go. Um. Uh, before we get there, let, let, me, let me say a couple things, because I, I, I want to share this with you as a way of an announcement, but also opportunity to serve the Lord. Um, I need at least one man, maybe more, that are <laughs> this is funny, willing to go to prison with me. <laughs> I laugh before I say it, but uh, i got to work on that. But um, uh, Bibb County Correctional Facility. Uh, we, some, uh, in January, we hosted the We Care Prison Ministry chaplains, and uh, people really from multiple states came down and did an outreach on uh, prisons all throughout, jails all throughout the state of Alabama. They do this every year. They may come back again, hopefully do it again uh, next January. But anyway, as a result of that, I talked to David uh, Buker, who is the local chaplain here that goes to Bibb County Correctional Facility every, uh, uh, every week. He's in prison uh, four or five days a week. Uh, they are leading Bible studies in prison. Uh, they're counseling. They're sharing the Word of God. Um, it, throughout the, and I didn't realize how big prison is, but apparently there's multitude of sections over there in Big County. There's about 100 to 120 inmates in each of these sections. Um, so anyway, I, I just shared this. I, I, that's about as much as I know about it. Uh, if God would so impress on your heart, um, there is a little bit of a, 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 a vetting process in one sense. You got to you got to go through a little website. I can get to all that with you. So I'm just telling you there. It didn't just say sign me up. I'm going. I mean, so there's a little bit of a vetting process through that. But I do need. He said at least one man willing to go. I, you know, and uh, so I just put that out there. Maybe you're that man here uh, who's willing to go with me into prison and Bibb County Correctional Facility. So I'll, I'll let that sit on you. If it is, then please come to me, see me. Uh, let me know you're that man, and we'll get that process started so we can go um, serve the Lord together in the prison. Now, uh, that being said, uh, there's other opportunities as well. Uh, we are going to have our first, I'm not saying first ever, first in a long time, missions conference this year. One of our things as a uh, leadership was that we wanted to, um, in our, our budget, to give more to missions, which we are. 10% of everything that comes in is going back out. But we also wanted to provide an opportunity for our church to be maybe inspired by missionaries, to be more educated on missions, endeavors, and opportunities, and what the Lord's doing, not just here, but all around the world. So September the 15th is a Sunday set aside for what we're going to call our missions conference. Uh, um, so anyway, that being said, I need, and I'm going to put a number on it, four. Uh, there may be more than that, but at least four people who have a heart for missions, who have a heart to just not just 
be on mission and, and to be a part of that, but help us lead our fellowship to be more mission-minded. Uh, and on this particular Sunday, what that means practically is to hopefully to mobilize multitude of missionaries that are going to be with us on that day to help oversee that logistically, but also to support it prayerfully and also for our fellowship uh, to just really, uh, I believe, be challenged to be more mission-minded. And so part of that you know, process. So if that's your heart, again, I'm presenting an opportunity out here. Uh, you can write it on the card, on your little bulletin, uh, turn it in to the offertory, say, J.J., I'd like to be part of that missions team to help uh, coordinate this effort. Uh, let me know that. Um, I I'm going to share one more, if y'all don't mind. All right, there you go. Just one more opportunity for ministry. Uh, we are, and I talked to Rebecca earlier this week, we are uh, prayerfully just asking the Lord, God, show us how to cultivate our nursery and preschool ministry. And particularly in the area of life groups. Now, I'm going to pause here just for a moment, and I'm going to say this. I just love going to my little life group uh, that we have. Chase and Dwayne are teaching the Word of God. We're in Genesis right now, and I, it is just a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm saying that to all of you, all of us, uh, how important it is to gather together with God's people studying God's Word. It is critical. Uh, there is a place for you all across this campus at 915 on Sunday morning. Uh, now we have the men's and women's Bible studies on Sunday night and Monday morning. Uh, students have times to gather as well. Even the children have times to gather in that small group uh, in, in, in worshiping the Lord, but also incorporating Scripture and the Word of God. Uh, again, the whole concept, the whole purpose of that is that we are growing together in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I mean, amen. I agree with you, Roy. All right, now, that being said, there's an opportunity um, in our nursery and preschool during the life group hour. Um, and so I'm asking uh, the Lord to give us uh, at least two people in each of those areas, uh, be it the, uh, when I say preschool, I'm talking about them little toddlers, you know what I'm talking about, whatever age group, one, two-ish, or whatever that is. And then also the nursery, y'all get that, the babies, y'all got it. Uh, we do have some babies, and if you don't know, there are more babies are coming, I mean, this year. Yeah. And so we're rejoicing in the Lord in that, but it gives us the opportunity to cultivate that uh, ministry. And it's not just sowing the seeds of the gospel and the, and the Word of God uh, in our children, and that is critical. That's important during that hour, but it's also building a bridge to families. And it's letting our families know, hey, we love you, and we want to cultivate that relationship with our young families that have babies, uh, and we want to minister to them through that. So... I say this, now there is a vetting process, and so not everybody says, oh, you sign me up, it's going to necessarily get called into that ministry. Uh, there will be an interview process with that, with uh, Rebecca and myself, uh, and I will tell you this, there will be a background check, so if you're going to work with our kids, you're going to be vetted in that way as well. And, uh, but anyway, so I say that, these are opportunities to serve the Lord, um, and I know. I know. You put things out in a general way, and Randy, you just don't get much results out of that. I get it. But I'm just going to believe in Jesus' name. God's already knocking on the door of some of your hearts. And maybe today is the day for you to respond and say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. Right? We are a body, and, uh, and part of that is we are interdependent on one another um, and what God's called us to do. Now, to my message, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, the, the, the message today may come out a little... Different than normal, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I am your pastor, so it's, uh, it's okay. Thank you. 
Um, it is on truth, as you can tell on the screen. Uh, if you've been with me the whole beginning since January, I've shared with you in this kind of series on firm foundation, really what God has impressed on my heart, if we're going to be a church firmly planted, fulfilling God's calling in our life today as a body of Christ, then there are some key elements. There's a whole lot more than just six or seven Sundays worth. We could go on and on and on, and we'll keep on in one sense. But I, I want to remind you, uh, my first message was on the gospel. Uh, we must be a people that preach the gospel, live the gospel. Uh, when we venture from that, we cease to be who God has called us to be. We are the, the, whole, I, the, the whole definition of church is those called out of darkness into light. We're the called out ones. We're the ones declaring the gospel uh, with our lives, with our lips, with our testimony, with what we do and how we do it. So the gospel is critical. Then I preached on the grace of God. And how incredible His grace is. It's quite amazing. That would make a good song. But it's amazing in how it impacts our life. We don't live in guilt. We live in grace. And we're saved by grace, but we live by grace. And thank you, Jesus, for that uh, every day of my life. And then I shared about the love of God, how God demonstrates His love for us. But then also I shared about our love for God. Um, you know, Henry Blackaby was laid to rest this week. Um, and I'll just quote him. He says, The single greatest important aspect of the Christian life is your personal, intimate, loving relationship with your Heavenly Father. Jesus said it this way, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the single greatest thing you'll ever do in your life. And it impacts every aspect of your life. If you're struggling in somewhere, I can promise you we can trace it back to your love relationship with your Heavenly Father. It's so critical. Last week I shared about faith. And without faith it's impossible to please the Lord. As a church, even still today, the 21st century, yes, we have become self-sufficient in so many ways. God set us free from that. But Lord, the Lord still calls His people to live by faith to trust in, to rely upon, and to depend on Him for every single thing. Everything we have is by faith, whether we acknowledge it or not. But God certainly will call us to live by faith. If we're to see God do anything in the world in which we live today, it is always by faith. Because why? When we do it by faith, when we live by faith, when we rely upon Him, He gets the glory. He's the one magnified and lifted up. If we only do what we think we can do, you're not living by faith. You're living in yourself. And God set us free from being self-dependent, uh, but we need to be dependent on you. And then it brings me to here, and I hope today it's really a summation, trying to, in one sense, in a few moments, just really kind of summarizing all of these things together, really, in one sense, and I'm using the word truth. <clears throat> Uh, the reality is, I mean, in, in the world we live, you don't have to look very far, you don't have to listen very far, and it seems like uh, everybody has their own definition of what truth really is. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, let's just, I'll just read this scripture. Uh, this is Paul addressing the church, brothers and sisters in Philippi, and he says, Finally, brothers, whatever's true, there's that word, Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That phrase literally means to dwell, to consider, to calculate. 
Believers are considered are to consider the qualities in this list. The verb calls forth in this passage right here that we as Christians ought to have a habitual discipline of the mind to set all our thoughts and all our uh, uh, implications on this truth, these words that he brought forth. The first and very, the very beginning here, he says, whatever's true. Now, I'm going to make a statement here about a firm foundation and about truth. I believe there's a thing called absolute truth. I believe that for many reasons, but I believe it. And what, what do I mean by absolute truth? Josh McDowell, if you know him, made a statement years ago, whether it came from him or not. He said, absolute truth is true for all people, for all places, and for all time. No variation. For all people, all places, and all time. I really believe there's a such thing as absolute truth. And I'm going to share with you just a few of these truths. I want you to hear the word truth today. We live in a culture today that just doesn't really believe much about truth. Or they'll say, hey, what's true for you is good for you, but it's not true for me. That's relative truth, and that's not absolute truth. I believe there's a truth for all people, all places, and all time. Absolutely true. First and foremost, let me just share with you. I want to make some statements here, and then I'm going to kind of wrap this thing up out of uh, Jesus' summation of the Sermon on the Mount. First thing is I want to say this about the truth about God. Now, he doesn't need some preacher to say this. But I want you to hear this. I want you to hear it from me. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created. There is only one true and living God. One. Exists in three distinct personalities. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But don't miss it. There's only one true and living God. Not many. Not variations. That sounds so exclusive, and it's, it is true. I am making a bold statement. I'm, I'm making a biblical statement. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. God created. It didn't just happen. You're not here by some circumstance. God created all creation, and God creates all humanity. Psalm 139 says, He knit you together in your mother's womb. Knit you together, just like you really are. God creates there's one true and living God. Regardless of what media wants to tell us today, regardless of what other so-called beliefs and faiths want to say, there's one true and living God. There is not others. He alone is the Lord. He alone is God. All throughout the Scriptures, we see where other people want to find their way to God or create some kind of way or system. And all throughout Scripture... Go throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. God, very God, is there's none like Him. He makes Himself known. He alone is the one true living God. Now the second statement I want to make is this. The truth about God's Word, the Scriptures. We call it the Bible. I assume most of you have a Bible. Probably have, uh, some of y'all probably have many Bibles. Um, and this is what we would call the Scripture. Now, I, I do want to say, if you got your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy real quickly. And there's so many scriptures to pull from here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 
By the way, I do believe this is really, truly God's Word. In the original manuscripts, for sure, but even in this translation, I believe it's the Word of God. Yes, it comes from the Hebrew and the Koine Greek. Yes, if you want to dig into that, then God be the glory. But God's given us His written Word, the translation of this Word, even so today, so that we can know Him and His plan, and specifically His plan of salvation and redemption. But this is God's Word. Listen to the, listen to the Word of God as it speaks about God's Word in, in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture, and he's referencing everything Everything from what we would call the Old Testament to how the New Testament was being formed even in that time period in the first century. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God's Word is true. This is the Word of God. It is fully inspired and without error. It, it, it is inspired and breathed by the Holy Spirit of God Himself. And this scripture has supreme authority over life, faith, and practice for all Christians, whether you acknowledge it or not. Let me say it this way. God has given us His Word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. There is no way any of us in here today will ever be all that God calls us to be if you're not feasting, daily, digging in, reading, consuming, however, whatever word you want to use, the Word of God. If you're famished today in the Word of God, then you are not living a fulfilled Christian life. I can almost guarantee that. This Word is true. And this isn't just some history book. It's not like some other book. It is amazing. The writer of Hebrews says this word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I pray it will happen today. That through his word, in in just a few moments, I'm going to read the Lord Jesus' word. I pray that through the reading of his word, that our hearts would be cut. That we would come face to face with the author of this word. It's living and active. This is God's Word, and it's true. The next statement, the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many scriptures that I could go to. Let me just say this, the Lord Jesus Christ. I use those words very clearly. Lord God Almighty. That's what that word means. He is God, very God, in the flesh. To God be the glory. Jesus means Savior. There is only one who has the authority and the power to forgive sin, heal your broken heart, reconcile you to God himself, and that's Jesus alone. Christ meaning Messiah. He is the only begotten Son of God, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and is truly God and truly man. You know what he did? He died a substitutionary and complete sacrifice death on the cross for our sin. What does that mean? That's a fancy word, substitutionary. It just means he stood in your place. The truth is, we all should have paid our own debt, but we didn't have enough to pay it. And yet he paid it on our behalf. He is the only one that has ever done that and ever has and ever will. He alone possesses the authority and the power to forgive sin. Not only did he die on that cross, church, But he rose from the dead. And he is alive forevermore. To God be the glory. That's the truth. Not just something we... 
It's not just something we ought to sing and shout about once a year on Resurrection Sunday. Oh, my God. I think the old hymn writer said, ask me how I know he rose from He lives within my heart. Friend, uh, friend, in other words, um, the Bible clearly says that when you come to faith in Christ, that you're baptized into his death, but you're also raised to walk in a brand new life in Christ. The Lord Jesus lives. He is God Almighty. And I will say this, he's coming again. Listen, please, we, we just, I mean, Bible study this morning was about Sodom and Gomorrah. God clearly told Lot what he was about to do, and he did it. And friend, hear me, this isn't JJ. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm coming back. In the same way you see me, I'm coming. We see it in the book of Revelation. We see clearly that Jesus is coming. There is judgment for those that are not in Christ. That's the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say this about the truth about salvation. I, I know I elaborate on some of these and I kind of digress and they tend to blend, but I, I want you to hear this and I'm going to say it again. There's only one way to be saved. Friend, if you listen to the world in which we live, you listen to media, you listen to other people, you listen to your little podcast or whatever, there's a lot of people saying there's a lot of ways to heaven. That you can somehow be good enough to make it to heaven. And friend, you're just filthy rags before a holy God. The Bible makes it clear that there is no one righteous, no, not one. Paul made it clear to the Jews and the Gentile, to the religious and the pagan, nobody's going to make it to heaven on your own merit. It's not going to work. You're going to be horribly surprised to realize that what you thought was good enough to get there will not cut it. The truth about salvation is, yes, we were made and created in God's own image. However, ever since Adam and Eve, we have also been physically, spiritually, and now faced with eternal death, separation from God. However, those who repent and forsake sin, let me say that again. The Bible's real clear. I preached messages a long time ago. Repentance is not a bad word, as some people tend to think. It's a great word for those that turn away from their selfishness and turn to Christ. That's what the word means, literally. To turn away from sin and turn to Christ, to trust in Him as my Lord and my Savior. Those who repent, hear me, are regenerated. That means you're changed. Jesus said it to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That sounds fancy. It sounds so uh, churchy to say that, but it's real deal. That when somebody comes to faith in Christ, there's a real verifiable difference made when God Himself steps down out of heaven and invades this life of ours. If what I'm saying to you right now is foolishness in your heart, then, friend, you need to come to faith in Christ. There's no other way under salvation but through Christ alone. Please hear me, church. Please hear me. Those that trust, those that repent, those that are redeemed have Christ himself, the hope of glory in us. There's no other way. He is the truth, and we are given the spirit of truth when we come to faith in Christ. That's the truth about salvation. Let me, say it, let me say this about the truth about God, the Holy Spirit. And I know in our 20th century theology that some, somehow we got all wrapped up into this Holy Spirit, but the reality is God, Holy Spirit, the very presence of Almighty God resides within every child of God that knows Christ personally. 
Part of coming to faith in Christ is Him coming into our life and cutting away the sin nature where He can restore and reconcile your life to the Holy Righteous One, the Lord God Almighty. God the Holy Spirit regenerates, changes us from the inside out. Baptizes us. That's what it means. I mean, I know we baptize up here. and I, There may be some of you that need to follow through your public profession of faith and believer's baptism. But when you come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. That's the baptism. He baptizes. He brings into the identity of Christ. Permanently. He doesn't come and go. He is there forever. He has sealed you forever. The scripture in Ephesians 1 clearly says the Holy Spirit of God is a deposit guaranteeing us what will come. Not only does he do all those things, but he empowers us to live for Christ today. You know, we say this every time. It's in your bulletin if you've forgotten it. In the name of Jesus and by the... See, I get all worked up. And I do this number and all this stuff. And if you're on Wednesday night, I even pick up the little podium. This one's a little too heavy for me. Don't judge me. I'm working on it. We say that all the time. It's true. For those that are yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God reigns in them and through Him for His glory. It doesn't mean you don't struggle. It doesn't mean you don't have adversity. It doesn't mean you don't have problems and issues in your life. It just means Christ is real and with you no matter where you go, no matter what you do. And He will lead you no matter what. Truth about the body of Christ, the church. I've referenced this earlier. The church, that's the body, that's us, the people of God. Those that are called out of darkness into light. That's the word there. The ecclesia, fancy word. It means to be called out. I hope you've been called out. I know I make jokes all the time. You can come sit in church all you want. Doesn't make you a Christian. Just like me sitting in your garage. Don't make me a car. I say it. It's true, y'all. You know, I love old Billy Graham. Old Billy made a statement years ago. Man, he preached. He could preach now. But see, we come to this thing called the church, don't we? It's beautiful. Praise be to God. It's, it's more beautiful today because there's been a lot of reclamation, a restoration. There's been some paint going on. There's been some rooms reclaimed for the glory of God. We're not done yet. There's a cleansing that's been happening. If you haven't been a part of it, you will in the coming months. And I'm rejoicing that. But friend, this isn't the church. This is not the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the redeemed called out of darkness into this wonderful light. To God be the glory. God empowers us, the people of God, to live for Him, to bring glory to Him, to work together. To, it's amazing what God will do when His people, called by His name, humble themselves. When God just gets hold of our hearts, God will do God-sized things through His people still today. To God be the glory. Last is this. The truth about following Jesus. I use the word sanctification. It's a fancy word. Be made holy. Uh, if you're with me on Wednesday night, I ask them all the time. Paul, whenever he addressed the, 
the churches, he would often call them saints, holy ones, holy rollers. I used to make fun of you Christians. The truth about following Jesus is that when God gets hold of our hearts, changes us from the inside, all of a sudden the working of the Holy Spirit leads us into Christ's likeness. I mean, what's the goal here? He wants us to resemble Christ. I mean, He is the standard. He is the one in which we are striving to be and to live for. That's why Paul said, man, you need to work hard. You need to bring some energy to the table because in spiritual growth and sanctification, you're not just going to sit around on the couch and be sanctified and set apart for the glory of God. You're going to work. You're going to bring energy to it. And you know what? God's working in you to bring that about as well. And let me say, I mean, the battle's real. Again, I, I share in our little life group this morning. I mean, it was a, the, the, the battle was real in Lot's day, and the battle is real today in the 21st century. Maybe even more so today. We certainly have some things on Lot. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. But man, the enemy is real, and he is wreaking havoc in a lot of people's lives. And friend, all I'm going to say is you've got to be intentional if you're going to be set apart, made holy, walking in a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to land this plane. Matthew chapter 7. I want you to hear the words of the Lord this morning. It may seem a little odd, but... um, if you've never read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, let me just encourage you this afternoon to do that. It's what's called the Sermon on the Mount. An incredible message. Uh, I mean, you can read it in just a handful of minutes. I can only imagine what it would have been like on that day to be there on that hillside to hear this from our Lord. But God still speaks today through His Word. For sure, the living Word of God, the true Word of God. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. At the, at the end of that sermon, he kind, of, he kind of put a little bow on it. He kind of wrapped things up at the end of this message. And that's what my goal is right here. But, but he calls everybody there to a decision. Maybe God will call us to a decision today. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Look, 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 look with me. Hear the word of the Lord today. Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The Lord was calling the people on that day on the mount to to a decision, really. Do you really believe in the Lord? Do you really believe this is God's Word? 
the evidence, the verification that I really believe this is in the life I live. The word there, practice, is intentional on the Lord. It really involves what? Me and you got to, Paul said, you got to bring some energy. You got to take this word and start tra- incorporating it into your life. To take this word and sit up on some shelf somewhere and never open it again or touch it again until next Sunday is not what he was intending. He said, let this word come into your heart, come into your mind. That's what we do with practice. Repetitiveness. Memorization. Let the word speak to my heart. He said, really, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be a person of his word. You're going to listen and Put it into practice. That means you're going to strive to obey. That means you're going to strive to live like Jesus lived. Preach like Jesus preached. Go where Jesus went. You're going to be a Christ follower. The foolish person would be one who hears that word and never, ever opens their heart, their mind, to it they kind of walk away and they go well maybe I'll get something next Sunday or next month so I think here's what's happening the Lord's calling us to a decision will we be a people who acknowledge this is his word He is my Lord. God, let your word dwell within my heart richly. Let your word just take root. I want to be a a follower of Christ that no matter what you ask, no matter where I need to go, God, that I would be willing. I want to be your vessel, your instrument in this world in which we live today. See, to practice this means you humble yourself before your Lord. So I put it before you, church. Which is it? Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, you brought us to this place of decision. Will we be wise or foolish? God, I just ask you right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would just have your way in our hearts. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with me to your feet, church. Gavin, and then we're going to lead us in a song, what we call invitation or response. Please please don't miss this. Response is required. You don't have to come to the altar, but there's no middle ground. You understand that. And it's not about telling me. It's about talking to your Heavenly Father. Talking to the Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again for you. So we're going to sing, we're going to sing a song of response. Friend, you, you need to deal with whatever God with the Lord right now. Now let me say, if you're here and you know you need Christ, you know that. 
please come. I'm not, I'm not begging. Today's the day of salvation. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. Today's the day to turn your life to the Lord, trust in Him personally as your Lord and Savior, to cry upon Him and ask for Him to forgive you and cleanse you of your sin. To be restored and renewed and reconciled to your Heavenly Father who loves you so much. Today's the day. We're going to sing. You respond. I'll be here waiting on you.